Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat. All these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie. Hey, it's Captain Justin Leet with Chasing the Sun TV. Join me and Meredith for the best fish in action along the coast of Panama City Beach. Tune in to new episodes every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. River Rats, you are listening to the River Certified Podcast with Spencer Bauer and Ryan Tassler and an array of guests where we cover the fun, interesting, and sometimes rugged parts of spending life on or near the water. I don't know. Talk yeah. about being a musician. And oh, you man. actually have an understanding of audio equipment. I that do. I don't. <laughs> I probably should <laughs> have had probably you. probably help s- us out. Yeah, I probably should have had yeah. you set this up. Uh, a little bit. Um, <laughs> not in the podcast studio way, which I know is like... Like there's a lot of people. The in fact my... that you know there's a difference means you know more than me. <laughs> We're well, no, in Spencer's well, no. spare room. Yeah, there's a John. There's a life size. Well, not quite life size. John Wayne cut out behind Jeremy right now. Uh, yeah, that's no, not life size. Full draw on him. <laughs> but no, no, it's it's more that like when I was getting an education in in engineering and that thing, yeah. it was like just pre podcast. So there was no like. You know, it was all in the context of like setting up a studio for recording your band mm-hmm. or whatever. Where now I'm assuming that those same courses and that same stuff is also teaching you how to set up like a podcast studio because yeah. that's what a lot of people are doing now. Yeah. Like you're not just a, a music bunch engineer. Of idiots like us. <laughs> you know, but people that like that produce it and like, you know, someday you'll hire somebody. And, you know, you're hired. Have, <laughs> you know, you'll have a producer. On the road we go. You'll have a, you know, but. Um, but I think that kind of be the opposite is versus musical. Like, you don't want the vibration, though. Well, you don't want that in music, do you? Well, no, you, you just want, want it to isolate your sound that you're trying to put on display for your audience, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You want to um, you want to make it easy for the sound person to mix that particular thing. So like it would it would be tough to get the level of my voice if you had someone else right next to me and someone else right next to me and so whatever, right? right? So if you have a drum kit next to a guitar mic, how do you get that mic to mainly get the guitar and not get the cymbals and the bass and all you, the stuff? You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're the exactly, expert. Yeah. Here. <laughs> well, it, there's different like you you've seen mics that have the sort of like the some people's studios where they'll have the uh uh, like a little guard maybe around the oh, microphone yeah. or something. Yep. It's all little stuff like that. Stuff to like physically isolate it or ways you angle the mic and stuff like that. Gotcha. But So I'm here with Ryan and Jeremy. And Jeremy is not only 
a uh, knowledgeable individual on audio engineering, way more so than anybody else in this room. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more. You don't have much. You don't have a very stiff competition. Here. No, no. <laughs> but everybody, everybody knows Ryan. Jeremy, you want to talk about yourself a little bit? Just basically explain what you do, or I don't know. Talk about whatever the hell you want. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. Care. Um, so. By by trade and profession, I'm you have the most a, a musician, wonderful musician. beard. <laughs> Thank you of anyone who has entered this podcast Thank you. quotation mark studio. That means a lot to me for an outdoor podcast. I'm trying to think of you. You, I don't even think you have any competition competition for the beard. Well, then that's kind no, of I, sad for an outdoor I, podcast. I I'm kind of feeling that <laughs> way right now. <laughs> but I try to do the beard, and then I just lack commitment. Yeah. yeah, this is about as much as I go, and then it starts itching, and I'm mm-hmm. out. But I, I was that kid that had to like shave when he was like twelve. You know what I mean? Like, well, I could like absolutely a, see that. Could grow like you know, like a mustache when he was in you know, like middle school or something. So weird side story to, and then we'll not not to completely deviate from your introduction, <laughs> but we kind of are. I I umped little like junior high baseball games for a while when I was in college for you know a few extra bucks on the side or whatever. And there was a seventh grade B game. So, you know, they have A team, B team, whatever. Mm-hmm. Seventh grade B team. And this short little fat kid walks up to the plate. And I'm the home plate umpire. And he has a full man's beard. And it's <laughs> like this little pudgy. Was he like, from Cuba? No, no, no. no. It was red. And he, he was, just, he, was he back like five grades? Or? I was going to no. say, let's check his <laughs> no, birth certificate. That, that was the weirdest part. Like he's this little pudgy fat kid who looks like a little kid, except he has a beard, like a full <laughs> man's red beard. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe it, maybe that was me. I don't know. No, you, but, <laughs> you don't have the red beard. But thank you. No, I don't. Anyway, um, musician by yeah, trade. Yeah, so musician by trade, education. Um, I was a touring musician for a while in my life, and I used to mm-hmm. teach full time. And now I've kind of transitioned to working in higher education. Um, and then outside of the music stuff, I still do, which is some teaching, some guitar lessons, mm-hmm. doing some music for kind of uh, kind of stuff like sometimes this YouTube intros. Um, music for jingles and other sort of radio stuff, you know, I don't know, a commercial for a supermarket or something like that. That's a cool side gig though. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. I have some friends that, that sort of do the composition and then they farm out the jobs they get to other people. Sure. So like I do guitar, someone else does the drums. And what's great about tech nowadays is we don't even need to live we're thousands of miles apart. Yeah. Melt them all together. You and, know, which is awesome. So we all have mm-hmm. our own little studio setups talking about the audio stuff mm-hmm. to get our own sounds. And then we kind of ship that off. And, and gotcha. That. Which allows you to be creative now that you're not touring and mm-hmm. on the road. And, exactly. You know. Yeah. You know, I did that for a while. And, you know, I don't know. I guess I learned I'm a bit more of a homebody than I thought. <laughs> well, the road's tough <laughs> you know no matter what, I mean? what you're doing. Yeah, I, man. I get know? it. Like, I feel like a gypsy angler a little bit. I throw that terminology around pretty regularly, <laughs> but I'm all over That's the place. One. And, I mean, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm heading yeah. to the big river. I'm going to be chasing blue mm-hmm. cats. I got a four-hour drive ahead of me. Got an audio book picked out. I got three phone calls I got to make, and I just try to maximize productivity mm-hmm. when I'm on the road. But there's a lot of things yeah. you miss out on, and I feel super inefficient. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there's not an 85-pounder biting here. Well, and the, there's kind of the <laughs> the mystical allure of life on the road, yeah. adventure, yeah. Yeah. seeking out that next cool bite. But I'm with you. Like after a while, it's kind of that aspect. It's just kind of gets old. Yeah, man. And well, you know, you get lucky to see a little bit of a lot of places. 
I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I, I've been to every major city in the U.S. and every state more than one time, and I have friends that pretty much are in every state or every city or around that maybe I met one night and just kind of stayed in touch with. So th- there absolutely is some magic to not only the people but the places you get to see yeah. when, when you, you, know, you have that type of life. But like you said, it's also a little tough too so <laughs> yeah it's, it's a balance yeah. and everything else is a balance yeah. and and home I, is home for a reason you know that's that's mm-hmm. where you come back and yeah and at a young age i kind of adopted the principle that home's wherever i lay my head but <laughs> now i'm married and i'm a homeowner and mm-hmm. that perception shifts a little bit it but it definitely I, does sometimes i want to move my home somewhere else well <laughs> i i can get behind that but so ryan yes sir where the hell have you been <sighs> I keep yeah, getting I need people a, are I need asking. I need an intro on Ryan, too. Who are you, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a <laughs> nobody, but no, I'm an electrician <laughs> by trade. full of shit. And uh, I've fished with Spencer for more than he wished quite he had. a few years. <laughs> yeah. Spencer's one of my only hardcore fishing buddies. Like, if I want to go fish for a week straight and not sleep much and just fish, I know I'd get yeah. a hold of Spencer and we're going to set it up, so... I don't have many. I got a lot of fishing friends, but not fish the way I mm-hmm. enjoy fishing. So me and Spencer have got along for quite a few years, and we've had some good adventures. But We have. But where I've been is life. <laughs> life has been tough lately. Well, there's more to it than that. Well, This is the seasonal, like, oh, this, haven't seen Ryan for a is, month. Yes. This is trapping season, and trapping mm-hmm. season, I get up at 3.30 in the morning, and I run traps till 7.00 work from 7 till 6.30 or 7 at night, and then I get everything prepped for the next day. So, And I said I was going to go run a trap line with you this year. Yeah. And, and we had a day picked, and then things, quotation, yeah. well, from on my end, too, when yeah. you're like, oh, it's not going to work. In the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that's too bad. Because <laughs> to be there at 3.30, I got to be <laughs> up at... 2.30. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, you're really looking forward to getting up that early in the Well, morning, I huh? need to do it just to do it. You know, yeah. like you talk about being on the road and meet new people, seeing new places, but it all boils down to new experiences Bingo. and trapping to, to run a trap line and actually see it done. Because I'm just going to, I mean, I might hop in where ass, but I'm just going to spectate and try to yeah. soak it all yeah. in and try to learn some stuff that... I've never seen or experienced before, so that's the whole idea. Yeah, and we need to do it on a weekend where we got more time to like actually set some traps, and so you learn a little more about the background. Because during the during the week, it's, it's a, just go and get to work, harvest the animal or let the animal go, and then remake a set and on. Yeah, so it's a little more hectic in the mornings. But what's my time frame? How much time do I have? Uh, as long as the weather holds out, I plan on trapping another month probably. Okay. I mean. I'm just mainly coyote trapping right now. My okay. my beaver and otter sets and my raccoon sets have kind of, I don't know, I'm getting burnt out of it. So, you know, I've, I've, I've done, I've got a bunch of farmers that call me and kind of rely on me to control their beaver populations and their otter populations and their ponds and, and raccoons have been doing a lot of damage. So I, I've got them in check. So I'm coyote trapping's kind of my love because it's more of a chess match to outsmart mm-hmm. a coyote versus well, they a, are freaking smart yes yeah. and versus like a raccoon i could catch a hundred a week but there's a pile raccoon. of them and yes. then they and don't think they're not as methodical they are very 
predictable. Yeah. The, like they use the same path. They go, they yeah, eat they the same the place. Yeah, they follow the trail. They go to the same place. They yeah. take the same place. Yeah. Or coyotes they don't are, do that. no, they're, they're alphas. You well, know, they, they think through what they do. Yes. Like a, a, a raccoon, from what I see, and nobody knows animals more than a trapper. And um, the Meat Eater podcast, Stephen Ranella, he, one quote that has always stuck out to me is, if you can trap, you can hunt. If you can hunt, you can fish. Or sorry, if you can trap, you can hunt and fish. If you hunt, you can you can fish. And if you can fish, I don't know what the hell you can do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that kind of goes back like, it, cr- so correct me, because you know more than me. Mm-hmm. Raccoons just kind of go about doing their thing. They're like, that's my trail. I'm yeah. going yeah. down that trail. And coyotes, <laughs> they, they're cautious. And they coyotes think are like, through. there's a trail. Is there something going to get me? What what is what was that leaf blowing there? But for? they're Why like is that? it wasn't there yesterday. They're like checking it out. <laughs> yeah. Like it it almost appears when I see a, a coyote doing just coyote stuff. Like if they don't know I'm around, they're thinking through what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like they're having they're looking some for sort you even of though you're not. They don't know you're well, there. Well, they're, they're they look like they're having some sort of cognition. Mm-hmm. Raccoon looks like it's oh. just an animal <laughs> being re- responding to external stimuli. Where a coyote almost looks like it has some sort of, I mean, rational thought is excessive, but there's some sort of processing going on through the situation. They're, they're as smart as your, your dogs that you've trained, but they're trained to live. Right. You know, they're, they're trained to to survive, you know, you know, their mama taught them, their experiences taught them. And every time they come across a situation that's in their bank, you know, just like, Mm -hmm. just like your dogs, you can teach them tricks. But their trick is to stay alive, to hunt, to stay out of harm's way. So here, so I like to defeat that. I, <laughs> I like to that. throw a curveball in their life. Well, I'm going to throw you <laughs> something off of that. Not a curveball, but just a question. Have you ever heard someone say, like, oh, big fish got big for a reason? Like implying that they are smart? Have you ever heard yeah, that? I, I have heard that. I've heard that yeah. many times. Like, I'll let you guys and I use run that, with it. I use that for deer. Because big deer get smart for a reason. Most I, of, I don't think so. I most of the big deer I, I see are in uh, the middle of sections or in CRP or in town. I need to find the study or, that detracts from what you just said. But there's well, a, a study. I, I do that, my own studies. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, I mean, you, you know, I guess it makes sense a little bit, like in 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 the context of if a deer is also in its tiny walnut brain trying to just stay alive. And it's going to go to where it can easily stay alive. That's going to be a city somewhere where it can mm-hmm. eat a bunch of food and trash and whatever. You know, I know mm-hmm. they don't, they'll eat whatever. And then that's where you're going to find a big, huge deer. Then that deer was the smartest deer. But but is he conscious of him being the smartest that's deer? That's it. I know what you're saying. That's it. Yeah. It's the, the difference yeah. between cognition and response to stimuli. But and, when I'm when I'm checking traps at 3.30 in the morning, I see 90% of the deer in the county. Because oh, they're all out. Yeah. They're out in the yeah. middle of the fields. And the biggest ones I see are usually in the middle of this, you know, this quarter acre tree, you know, that's in the middle of a field that's overgrown. Fed, and yeah. Well, that just but, adds credibility. Like, I, I don't watch much YouTube, but I got stuck on this bow hunting channel where they hunt deer in suburbia. Yeah. And they're shooting these 180. Is that the guy in Nashville? He's in Nashville and yep, Atlanta. I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, and he uh he shoots giants in 
like a park like, like behind <laughs> yeah. he put up a ground blind Public against park. some dude's retaining wall and got ran off by uh people mowing the yard <laughs> and then came back after he stopped at the 7-eleven and shot 180 inch deer yeah the I biggest mean, deer i've ever seen came from behind a hospital right in town there you mm-hmm. go yeah and it was 200 plus Yep. I mean, yeah. it was Iowa ginormous. Big. Iowa big. Yeah. Iowa big. Dude. It was ginormous. Yep. Yes. One where I stopped the car and got out to look at it in town. Is that the one you were talking about earlier today? No. That, that, so was, that was just another 200 another, plus inch yes. deer? <laughs> no, that other one, that was probably five years ago, the hospital one. This one I saw this year, checking mm-hmm. traps. Yeah. And on that same property, I probably saw three total over 160 and you're like oh that's a nice deer those and are this, really nice deer and this one i was you were like wow yeah i mean it was it was amazing i saw 160 plus inch i don't know i don't kill big deer yeah. <laughs> it was a big ass deer and it was in my front yard i live smack dab in the middle of town <laughs> you do i about <laughs> yeah. hit a little buck on my way to his house today yeah and there, there's a creek that runs east west right through the heart of town and there's a lot of deer who follow it and it go it runs right through my backyard yeah. we have deer mm-hmm. in our yard every day and possums mm-hmm. and raccoons you could run traps here and, <laughs> and you'd probably well. catch them and <laughs> catch my dog every neighbor cat and the well, there's a pile of them yeah, too. I bet. But so, no, in, go ahead. No, no. What I was going to say is, but that that this all begs the question, though. Again, are they cognizant, cognizant of being the biggest, baddest deer in town, or are they are they doing things intentionally to get that way? So Probably the deer, the not. fish. I'm going to bet not. You no. know, especially mm. the fish. Especially the fish. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I love fish. I love fishing. Um, but I'm not going to say that a fish is down under the water like what's the word for it um planning on (laughs) how to get away from me or other anglers no he says oh there's a two pound carp i'm hungry right and there's a bajillion (laughs) fish and not even just fish but big fish that have never experienced anything fishing related in their life they've never been caught and released and even the ones that have been caught and released think about a dog and a dog is so much more cognitively aware how long how many repetitions it takes to teach a dog anything yeah and then try to apply that to a fish give me a freaking break you know like they don't get big for a reason they just get big because they've genetics is the main thing lucked in and lucked into not being caught or eaten or dying from like drastic changes in water temperature and, and stuff right. like that. So, yeah. but, and on the trapping thing, so how did you get into that? Was that something that was in your family or, um, or, or did I, you just, I wrestled all through high school, college. So my winters were full. Like I didn't, I didn't get to enjoy as much trapping and ice fishing and mm-hmm. things like that. So I really, once my son kind of got out of wrestling, cause I mm-hmm. went straight from college and then I started coaching little kids and then, coached him up until yes you're still on that schedule yes yep so once that kind of fizzled out i really dove into things that i had missed out on like Mm -hmm. the trapping the ice fishing things like that so did you have someone to like mentor you through it or did you just pick it up on your fishing game was my main teacher but you didn't have a family member that (laughs) my mom my mom was my big outdoor guidance as far as fishing and and she'd take us pheasant hunting she always, she always. Drove. Were you the dog, or did you have a dog? We didn't have a dog. You were no, the dog. We were, we, <laughs> we were road hunters. She oh, taught us to road oh, hunt. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a valuable skill. Yes. Yeah. 
until I realize, well, we're trespassing. And <laughs> the road ditches are public, right? Yeah, the ditches are public. Yeah. yeah. So, no, it, she was by far. She grew up in a in an outdoorsy family where my father did not. So she was my main driving force. If I ever wanted to go fish, she was more than up with taking me fishing. That's or, sweet. Or you know, teaching me. Yeah. The little she knew. Well, so. you and your twelve other siblings. Yeah, I'm, all I'm enjoy the youngest the outdoors. Of, I'm the youngest <laughs> of eight. They, they had six kids. You waited almost seven have a baseball years, team, and then had twins. I have a twin brother, so we were a big oops. Uh, but no, isn't that how it works though? If you're gonna have an oops, it's twins. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. it did in this case. That's how it works in my family. Yeah, I think when like if you're I don't I don't know how old your mom was at that point, but I think at at that point in your life you're way more likely. Oh, the older you get, you mm-hmm. well yep. to add more credibility to that. My aunt had kids after she was forty, and first kids she had were twins. Yeah, twins girls. Yeah, I think that's the thing. We know someone right now that's that's, so that's having just their second one kid example. older, and, and they're having twins too. So that's two yeah. examples. Yeah, I think it's a thing. I don't oh, know how I know that, but you know things. <laughs> He's a thing knower. Yeah. But no, but 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 on the on the trapping thing, I just I've never really had that around me in my life. You know, I've I've known people that a lot of people that hunted, a lot of people that fished, a lot of people that done a lot of outdoor things, but I never really until I came to Iowa and like read the you know, the like the DNR manual on everything, I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, trapping season. I never really like explored it. So it's really interesting to see yeah. someone that does it and, and is making money off of it too a little bit and not this year. You know, not like, this year. Uh, okay. You're I mean, making something. something. No, they won't. They won't buy a single raccoon, and they're not going to buy our eastern coyotes this year. So they are going to get flesh stretched and dried, and then vacuum sealed and put in the freezer, and hopefully we can sell them next year. Nothing. Interesting. Nothing. Nothing. They, Why? W- they will what buy beaver. Yeah. What's the reason? There's no market. China. China is not even. Their stores aren't open, so nobody can buy the goods. So they're not sending any buyers to the national market. Like I used to ship everything up to Canada Mm -hmm. and to the international sale, so I'd get the best price for my furs. And China's bought 90%, historically, 90% of our U.S. furs, and then Russia would pick up roughly 8%, and then the other 2% would go worldwide. But uh, Russia's economy's in the tank. They haven't bought raccoon for several years, and now China's not even showing up to the sales. Wow. wow. So unless you have a private treaty, which a, a lot of brokers, fur brokers, do have with garment companies and stuff, unless mm-hmm. you have those private treaties, you're not getting a, a single animal sold. That I had no idea. Yeah. Like it's yeah, you just me, threw me, me either, off, you know. Like, I don't even know what I'm gonna talk about. Yeah, the though. fur market is so international because you walk around here and how many people you see wearing fur? None. Yeah. You go to Russia, no. most above fifty percent are wearing fur coats. Yeah. And if you go to China, all all your higher end are head to toe in fur. You ever wonder like if you've ever seen somebody on a music video or something from china that is wearing one of your furs i'd be honored you know that's a lot of work <laughs> hey i recognize there, the spot on that yeah. <laughs> well no because they want them all uniform if you catch something that's odd looking you might as well tan it and put it on the wall because they won't buy it they want it the most uniform as the rest of them like for raccoon for example they've got color codes and they got size codes so i ship 200 raccoon to canada they put them in pallets with everybody else's fur with my barcode on them 
and they put 200 on a pallet that match as closely as possible. So a garment company will buy that pallet so everything they make will look uniform. Uh, that makes sense from makes like sense. a mass production yeah. standpoint. So then you don't have to dye them or, you know, they're already yeah. naturally Or uniform. someone sees like the picture in the catalog and they're like, hey, my, my thing didn't look like that at all. Or you're watching the Gangnam something. Style video, music video. <laughs> <laughs> there had to be furs on there. I don't know if there was or not. 360 turnaround. I can't find birdshot anywhere. I... I've I've heard guys. I didn't deer hunt this year, but I've stopped by five sporting goods stores in the past two weeks and can't find birdshot anywhere. I ended up buying a box of shells off a buddy who bought a case of them like a year ago and just hasn't used them yet. Just had yeah. There's no ducks in Iowa, away. so <laughs> so he's like, yeah, if you want a, sh- a box, I got a box for a hundred dollars. No, <laughs> he he wouldn't. He, he didn't even want any money, yeah. and I ended yeah. up like. We were we were fishing on the river, and I just like tucked it in his bucket, unbeknownst <laughs> to him. And, but well, yeah, I, I can't find nothing. I mean, I you're don't know. a gun enthusiast. Yeah. Have you been shopping around at all? Yeah, I mean, I try to buy everything online and like hunt for deals, and like I don't know how else to do it now. Like before, maybe you would find you know shields or something. They'd yeah. have a sale or something, but now it's all obviously you know 2020 and everything that cleared everything out, and so thank you sir yep. now it's like what do you i mean you 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 know you go on like ammo seek if anybody knows that website ammo seek.com they're um, gonna be out of everything yeah now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no you know the millions of people not, not a not a sponsor so they're they're a good website that aggregates all the other retailers in a fairly decent way Gotcha. So you can type in like, you know, what you're looking for. You know, I'm looking for five, five, six. I'm looking for whatever number four shot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it will like at least try to curate like who has it and mm. what the price is. But even that's been insane. And a lot of it, I think, is coming from the whole uh, recent Russia sanction thing. I don't know if you guys know about that. No. So mm-hmm. we should really look this up to get specifics. But basically in a new round of sanctions the current administration has decided that they will stop in a year renewing any licenses of Russian ammo manufacturers. Who decided that? The Biden administration. Oh. Mm -hmm. So basically any licenses that currently exist for stuff like Tula ammo and Wolf ammo and all the steel case ammo that, I shoot a lot, at least, and I think yeah. most people do because it's cheap. Mm-hmm. That's all made in Russia. So in the next like year or so, those licenses for those manufacturers are going to start to expire. And the it's it's the way it was written was as a policy, so not as a law, as a policy that those won't be renewed. So those so, companies can go and they can turn in their same paperwork they always turn in, but the policy and the sanction is that they're just going to get red X'd and they're not going to get renewed. Which means we can't get them here. Which means we can't get them here. So there'll be no more importation of steel case ammo from Russia. The NRA the most of it. Um, no. Institute for Legislative Action. I think that's a real website, I'm assuming. Uh, it's the first one that popped up on Google. I, I would think it would just be nra.com. Org or, eh. or, or yeah. whatever. But it says the Biden administration bans importation of mm-hmm. Russian ammunition. Yeah. And the, and it's not again that 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 is a little politicizing it. It's a 
it's a ban on certain licenses that happen to also include ammunition. This uh, is, oh, so they blanket policy it. That's yeah, the, yeah, it's, uh, it's like buried. It's like line fourteen yeah, of like a fifty line thing. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, you're right. It's yeah. always like in this other thing. Well, it's possible you know? it won't last forever. It says it went into effect September seventh, twenty twenty one, and will remain in place for a minimum of twelve months. Okay. Is that one of the reasons you started killing critters when you're trapping with an air rifle? An air rifle is not considered as a firearm. Mm -hmm. So a firearm cannot be used within 200 yards of a house. Right. So an air rifle can. I trap a lot of raccoon, especially early in road ditches. Yep. A lot of times I'm within 200 yards. Sure. So I'd have to use a baseball bat. Well, you skin an animal after you use a baseball bat on it, and it's a mess. Yeah. So... You ever the, feel bad? No. That's my was only... I, was I supposed to? No, no, <laughs> no. I, I I'm really just don't. I'm just projecting myself in that situation. I'm I look at the species as a whole, and I am doing benefits to that species, mm-hmm. not to that animal. See, and I'm kind of a stone cold killer in a lot of ways. My like the thing with with trapping for me is the animal's already been caught. And in my mind, and this this is not based on logic or anything. This is just a totally emotional as, response. As most of your opinions. No, that's, that's <laughs> not true. That's definitely not true. And that's why I'm prefacing this yeah, one this yeah. way. But uh, when, when you're pheasant hunting and the bird flushes, you shoot it. It's been caught. You know, a turkey comes out, comes in. You shoot it. It's been caught. Killed, caught, whatever. In trapping, it's been caught, and then you have to take another step. Yeah. To me. But that gives you the option to harvest or release. Hmm. You you shoot a bird, there's no bringing that back. You're right. I can, I can catch a possum, and this and is I like can reflected on fishing, too. Yeah. Like catch and release hunting. I, it's and, literally what you have. And here. the traps <laughs> have come such a long ways that I can catch a possum and release it unharmed, and wow. it scurries away. Like bobcats are illegal to to harvest in green county where i live for so, the whole season yeah yeah it's not it's a completely closed season because they say our populations aren't that's a whole deal but anyway <laughs> so i've caught nine in the last three years and we have to release them and they are just as happy about it as you would think they would be. <laughs> <laughs> well don't you use like a big board i i take a piece of three-quarter oh. plywood with a slot cut in the bottom and i've got to get that slot over their foot with the trap in it so then i can step on the trap and release the animal mm-hmm. and they run away unharmed right you know if if i do not have direct I, if if the landowner doesn't tell me you need to kill everything that you catch which 75 percent of my landowners say that right stray mm-hmm. cats possums they don't want them there are there regulations on cats if they are off the property of the owner, they're considered stray, which I don't trap near houses. Uh, right. But because houses a, have people and I don't like people. From a legal implication, though, what's a stray? Like, Anything not on their property. Right, but can you harvest a cat? If the landowner tells me not to release them, they are harvested. But is that legal? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, it's that's a wild was, animal. Like, can you legally yeah. kill just a cat? Yeah. And leave? if there was a market for them, I'd probably be a million. 
I'm kidding. No, we we do. There are some landowners that say, you know, there's this brown and white cat that's been tormenting my cats, and if you catch him, I don't want to see him again. Yeah. Well, he's gone. Sure. But an angry bobcat, that sounds like a situation that... You it, basically it wakes your, you up. You basically make yourself like a ballistic shield yes. out of a piece of yes. plywood because that's what <laughs> we, I would want. We we go back <laughs> we go back to the old olden days and that's my shield. And, no, it works pretty well. We've I think it's it's probably three foot by three foot square, and then I've just got a notch big enough to go over their over their paw, but the whole backside. They yeah. I'll show you some videos after yeah. we're done here that that I post to Facebook and. I've seen it's, them. It's interesting. I, I and I would have never thought of doing it in that way. Yeah, but because we thought about you know they make like a snare loop where you can put the loop around their head, but bobcat mm-hmm. have big arteries just like coyotes do yeah. that run yeah. on their neck, and if you get the snare too tight, it can kill. Yeah, them. and I don't want to hurt them. Cause well, even if you don't, I want to catch them. them when it's legal, and mm-hmm. I want to put them on my wall. But. but even if you don't kill them, it's gonna be hard on them yes yeah because so they're like not going to sit still unnecessary strain on an animal and a, that seems like a really good alternative yeah a coyote when you put him into danger he freezes mm-hmm. when you put a bobcat into danger they just go he ape freaks shit. out yeah. yeah red yeah. fox are the same way and stray cats are the same way i i would rather <laughs> deal with any wild animal <laughs> badgers included than a straight badgers tom- included yes. yes badgers are pretty chill no they're not yeah, they are well maybe on a trap you any other them, situation you you get them to where they're defeated and they're chill no, i've never you, seen you a will never one. defeat a stray cat no. I, I, I heard someone say this i don't know where but they're like you know if you had like a 20 pound dog and like a 20 pound cat and my cat's 20 pounds, so I have that in my head. Like, yeah. that's a cat. You have a big, fat-ass cat. Big, no, he's not fat. He's big. <laughs> he just, he's just a he's big. huge cat. Part mountain lion. Um, so <laughs> if you took me in a room and I had to fight it out to the death with a 20-pound dog, easy. I'm out. That you just have to look at Woody with that, a mean That's what I'm eye. saying. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's choked out. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. You can break his spirit. I have a 20-pound cat in a room. I'll probably get out. But I will be messed yes. up. Yeah. yeah. Even and if you win, you lose. There's I will no be quit. messed. Yeah. Just a, just like a, my cat at home. If yeah. he was mad enough, and then you then I think about just something that's bobcat size. That's not like mountain lion size or anything. Yeah. Bobcat size. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I and like I said, I usually check traps before sunlight, so I'm out there three thirty four o'clock in the morning and oh. half asleep and. Here's Bobcat. <laughs> it's go time. <laughs> but it does make for some pretty cool videos. That so. see, I, I kind of half hope, half dread the day I go run trap lines with you. <laughs> There's like one or two of them on there. River otter are just as bad. River otter. How, what do you do with those? Shoot that, you gotta yeah, shoot them. I yeah. shoot them. Yeah. Because I catch a lot of them in snares. Is there a limited harvest on those? Yes. We get three per license, and I've got a trapping partner, mm-hmm. so we can get six. And we've got five this year. So if we catch one more, then my nine-year-old daughter is going to get a trapping license. Okay. <laughs> and then we can get three more. Gotcha. But, so there's but our just water trapping's to, about done. Yeah, and there's just minimal things you can do with those. So you have to adjust your traps accordingly if you reach your quota. All right. Well, but, uh, you mentioned air rifles, though. Yes. So, and, and the whole, so I, I, I feel like there are people now that I've read about that hunt like deer with like 50 hogs. caliber yes. hogs, air yes. rifles. And also that really yeah and also I, that like suppressors on air guns are not regulated in the same way i feel like you can just like have one on there 
without having to go through like this. I'm not sure you need to though. Yeah, maybe because they're quiet enough. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've, uh, but, but yeah, there are people now that hunt hogs and I've, deer I've seen that. with these like yeah. mega powered air rifles, and I think it's because of some regulation. Do you have like any that. idea where that's legal? Because I would, I don't know. I've never looked in these regulations. Texas. Well, that would make sense. <laughs> but I was so strict on yeah. the type of calibers you can Which kill is a deer with. Yeah. Is it though? I think a it's little. an efficacy thing, you know? I you think don't want to use a, a little bullet to kill a big critter because you want it to die when you when you hit it. I think that's fair. I, I think it's more, yes, but I think it's also a bit of making laws for kind of the lowest common denominator, people that don't train enough. And, you know, like if, if you have a two two three, a five five six bullet, you can easily take a deer if you put your shot in the right spot. You can, but those bullets go a long ways. It's, yes. That's the current, I think, argument, at least here. Yeah. Where we don't have mountains. <laughs> right. We and don't have... Yeah, there, we don't the, have sections that are... There are, are, sections. There are yeah. seasons where you can use those calibers, um, but it's year to year. It's dependent upon deer count, and it's always a doe-only season, and it's always in areas that aren't flat. So there was okay, a period so of time... specific then? Yeah, there yeah, was okay, a period of time sense. where the bottom two tiers of counties mm-hmm. had a rifle deer season, doe-only... And then last year, or maybe the year before, Northeast Iowa, which is also a pretty hilly area where a bullet is only going to travel so far, had a, a rifle okay. season, doe only. Because I know I went to like a talk with the, that the DNR had, I think it was last year, they had like an open forum on revising some of the caliber restrictions here in Iowa mm-hmm. and what you could and couldn't use and why. And, and I don't know if that's going anywhere, but... I think it's a conversation they're having, and I don't know if that also brings about the the talk of having air rifle seasons and having other stuff like that here. I, but I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, I don't. I I know. That's I just really use a twenty two caliber, and it drops a coyote in its tracks. Oh sure, done. You could kill a deer with a twenty two. You just have to hit it in the right spot. I mean, the only thing it does it has it struggles with is a big raccoon, because a big so raccoon fluffy. has so much fat oh, on their skull sure. that it's hard to penetrate. Yeah. It's like a little bison. Yeah, so sometimes <laughs> sometimes you got to shoot it. Some of a them aren't times. even that little. <laughs> no, uh, I don't. So I would just adopted the straight wall cartridges for for slug mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. recently, and that oh, was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, 450s. Yeah, 350s, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Or whatever the new. Yeah, I just know they're all straight walls. Yeah. That, that's all I know. Um, aside from that, um, and I mean, you're. You're listening to a guy who's never even killed a deer, which that's <laughs> gonna hopefully change this year. I'm gonna, nice. I'm gonna go out and try and kill a deer. I don't want to hunt one. I just want to kill the first one that walks out and <laughs> throw throw back straps on the grill as soon as possible. The last deer I killed, it was probably twelve years ago. I was pushing, and this deer about the size of a German Shepherd ran out. I shot it, threw it over my shoulder finish the push <laughs> i've heard this story at least half a dozen times and i love it every time it was so yeah, tasty i made that whole thing into steaks it's I, veal i didn't i didn't do anything it's else like I just deer veal. and the whole push thing like i know what you're talking about but that was new for me when i moved here like yeah. i i had never heard of hunting they deer have that, that out east don't they that, not really because i bet they do somewhere they, sure they do somewhere but um but my experience growing up like tagging along with my grandpa or whatever was just like you know one person in the tree stand yeah like you know by you know the whole like push field thing like i had never heard of that well people people do hunting that way here too oh yeah no i know yeah 
but with but, rifle you don't have to get that close you know yeah. what i mean with shotgun you, yeah and you that's typically where it's like a group of people they but get a shotgun push them in. You yeah, can, yeah especially with the 450s or 350s well, yeah and the sabbat slugs have come a long ways but you can i'm kill talking a deer old, at 150 yards now yeah i'm talking about the old you know non-rifled barrels yeah, smooth and, bore yeah. Where you know, if you get a five inch pattern, you got a pretty good. But gun. even so, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. And you could make the argument that the pattern on a bow is better than the pattern on those guns if you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, well, Rob killed a big one. Yeah, yeah. Sent us a picture today. Yeah, Rob's a good one. Rob's buddy of mine, um, pretty pretty solid walleye guy. He knows how to, <laughs> how to get them, but he's. Also a dedicated bow hunter who spent the last two years hunting this this deer, this deer, wow. yeah. and went through the entire bow season. The last two years didn't kill it, and then sitting in a stand just like we're talking about with um, I think he has a 450 legend. I think it's 450 legend, and he ended up getting that deer mm-hmm. tonight. And, and so, then in the yeah. picture, they they have the the uh, what do you call it? The other. The sheds. Antlers, the sheds yep. from years prior. He had them lined that's up. That's so cool. Because he'd been tracking this deer for yep, years. He's got trail cam picks. And that's what we're talking about, the intimacy mm-hmm. of, of deer hunting and how there's a history. You have a history with this animal that you're pursuing. Mm-hmm. And he bought a piece Stalkers. of ground. <laughs> well, it's due to the ninth yeah. degree. Yeah. and uh, He doesn't know we're in love, but we're in love. <laughs> I've watched this deer grow up. That is kind of stalkerish <laughs> when you put it like that. But uh, he he's got sheds from this deer from two years ago. He bought the the ground to he bought it in January, found the sheds in February, and uh, had trail cams from this deer every year or through the seasons after that. Didn't have pictures of the deer when it had that set of antlers. He's assuming it's the same deer, and judging off what I saw, which is minimal. He said he's going to bring him for the podcast when he's on yeah, next time. Awesome. Yeah. But um, I'm assuming that they're the same one, but it makes a cool story. You know, yeah. you, you put that all together and then you finally get the critter you're after. It's pretty sweet. And I have a story just the sure opposite. Is. I have a guy that I just finished building his house for him. And uh, he's been hunting this deer for two years. And the week before season, he got hit by a car oh. and they sent him a picture of it. He was just the people who hit it with the car knew that he was hunting that they, deer. They knew because it came. It was like a mile north of his section. But he just happened to know the people who yes, hit it. Just happened to know well, the people who hit it. They sent it to almost. Him. Don't even. He tell was me. crushed. Don't even <laughs> yeah. tell me. I mean, he was. Oh, crushed. how could you not be? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think about the time investment. I mean, just looking at Rob, he's he's invested. You know, he's in a stand four to five evenings slash full days on the weekend per week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For four months in the last two years. And I mean, this you, guy. You do the math, you think about that time investment. Holy shit. And this guy had been building a house and his house wasn't done, so he couldn't go sit and stand. So he'd missed the first month of season. And then the, that weekend he was going to go and it got hit like on a Wednesday wow. and he was going to go hunting Saturday. All right, let's talk <laughs> about something happier. <laughs> That many coincidences, though, you got to kind of... Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just, you know... wasn't, yeah. Jeremy, you've done a a shit ton of backpacking, and you've done... Uh, I wouldn't say that, but a lot. All right, let me backtrack. People who are listening to this probably think I'm the adventurer who does these crazy adventures in remote places, and I've done a few, but you've done like 
multiple 10-day backpacking trips living on what you can carry on your back. I've mm-hmm. never done anything <laughs> approaching that. And I think that's super sweet and fascinating. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Or, or at least the last one was a couple years ago that, that we well, did. time frames regardless. Yeah, the fact that anyways. you've done it is pretty badass. So just talk about it. Yeah. Um, Pick one. Mm-hmm. Pick so, one. Well, the, the, How many have you done? How about that? Uh, that extreme, just one. <laughs> how, <laughs> but, how many multi-day backpacking trips have you Let's uh, say we'll say over four-ish days. Oh, um, hmm. Count give, when I was a kid and everything. Give us a rough estimate. Yeah, I mean, maybe you know, dozen a dozen or so. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, that's a these, dozen or so more than maybe. Yeah, I mean, anybody they, else sitting in this room. And, and a lot of it when I was younger too. But you know, um, there are a lot. There are a lot of people that like do that for. A this isn't a comparison right? thing. So no, this I'm, I'm just saying there are levels. Thing, you're right. You know? You're right. You're right. I know what you no, mean. I'm not like but trying to wanna... put you on this pedestal yeah, okay. here. Okay. I'm just trying to paint the picture of where you're coming from <laughs> mm-hmm. and where I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. I yeah. think so it's... I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sell myself too much on that because I'm still learning. I feel like I'm learning every time, you know, well, I, you I, should feel that way. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I look it up to people that are doing it. Well, there's people who like walk the Appalachian Trail and spend months out there. Or or guides in Alaska. I'm just. Or that type of thing. So I'm going to be on the river tomorrow. Actually, I'll be on the river Thursday morning and I'll get off the river Friday night and I'm going to float 25 miles in a kayak. And I'm going to carry everything I need in a Mm -hmm. kayak. And I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like racking my brain, like. How can I possibly fit everything I'll need <laughs> yeah. in this big ass kayak with a four hundred pound weight capacity <laughs> you for two days and you're doing it with what's yeah. on your back for ten. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Expand on mm-hmm. that. And yeah, and I um and I just did my first canoe trip this year ever. So And so you're I, like, Oh man, we can bring all this shit. I had <laughs> I had exactly I had an SUV in my mind. I was like, I, I didn't bring enough. I was like, I could have brought because I'm so used to that pared down mindset yeah. of like, I need to care about every last little thing, weight, ounce, every grams, ounce. Yeah. everything. Yeah. Cause like, you know, I, I, I'd like to think I'm in pretty good shape, but it still sucks for the first couple of days. You're sure. Right. Yeah. You know, of doing it, you know, doing 10, 12 miles, 15 miles, whatever you're hiking that those first couple of days, however you set your itinerary, but usually it's, it's, it's a lot. So, you so know, you're somewhere you're, Carrying everything you need on your back, mm-hmm. somewhere between ten to fifteen miles a day. And mm-hmm. are you doing this? That's the high. That's the high end. That would be me, like setting the, the high a, end. But yes, you're you're yeah. being all self conscious and shit. Knock it off. <laughs> I'm not trying uh, to be. Um, Forty two miles in. <laughs> when, yeah. you, when you do this, are you starting at one spot with a destination in mind? Are you just going around? Or is every trip yeah. different? Or I, I think. I would say every trip is different. So usually though, you know, for me, it's like the planning and preparation is just as fun. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Right? Like, isn't it? Like whether it's a fishing trip or hiking trip or whatever, right? It's like, you know, you're, you're keeping yourself going by all the prep and then you do it and then you're done. You're like, all right, where are we going next? The irony. What are we prepping for? The irony of all that is when it comes to preparing any event or anything <laughs> yeah outside of those things right? i dread Agreed. it Agreed. I dread it's the worst it. and then uh like right now i'm like oh man i gotta figure out all the christmas presents for people yes. i gotta go get yes. that shit and figure and it, it out just, oh, it feels man. like a chore yeah it feels like a chore where that stuff is like 
I can't I'm wait. Down. I yeah. cannot wait. So I think it really starts for me in the months and months before of like, all right, these are the time periods this year where I want to go to this space based on how many people are going to be there, you know, because like if you're going to do like a national park, or you're going to do, you know, Appalachian Trail or the John Muir Trail or, or any of these like bigger through hikes in the country, there are kind of ideal times where most people are either in school or in work yeah. or whatever, you know, the yearly cycle that we all have for whatever jobs or lives we live. And so it, for me, it usually starts with like, all right, I want to find when there's the least amount of people there. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> much more enjoyable. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the best part about being the outdoors. It's yep, anti peopley. Yeah, and you know, in the pa- and it's it's great in the past few years that that those areas have become become so popular, right? But, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I think it's become tougher to find the solitude that I think is that generally what yeah. I look for yeah. when I do <laughs> when I do a trip like that. Um, that's one nice thing about water. <clears throat> it's like if true, you go you can, to a national park and you're hiking, everybody else is hiking and you are trying to hike away from people, but there's also other people who are trying to hike away from people, which leads to mm-hmm. overlap with yeah. other people, where at least the smaller waterways, you know, if you're on a big river or a big lake, you're going to run into a multitude of boats and people, even in like winter time where there's going to be fewer people out, you're still going to run into people. But if you get on little streams and creeks, every once in a while you'll see someone, mm-hmm. but you know, currently, and I'm sure things will change as things become more popular and people become more aware of possibilities, but I would venture to say 80% of the time I don't see another soul. Well, that goes back to the theory. If it's hard to do, people aren't going to do it. And and you're willing mm-hmm. to do things that are hard to do. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them creeks ain't easy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but neither's walking fifteen miles and you're running mm-hmm. into the people. Yeah. And, well, and I think well, I feel like the hiking's glamorized a little bit more. It's a little more mainstream. Yes, no, definitely. And and dragging a <clears throat> plastic boat on <down> a solid <laughs> mud wall, <laughs> and then having to drag it back up with all of your shit on top of that is not nearly as glamorous as hiking up. But a it's mountain. just as fun as it sounds. Yeah, it's <laughs> not fun at all. <laughs> but but I also think you know I, maybe there is an equivalent to this. But you know what I mean? There there you know you get a lot of the like you know, uh, you know I'm going hiking. And like they went like a mile around the, the public they park, and, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or there's like one spot where you walk a half mile to and it has a good view and everybody takes a picture. There I mean, and they people go back there. do that. I'm sure there's an equivalent yeah. to fishing. I've to been that. guilty. There was a dam on our way. I went and fished this lake for three days and on our way back, there was this dam on, in my mind, iconic dam on my mind, in my mind, iconic river, like things, a, a dam on a river I've read about a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. And it was on the way back, and I'm like, I need to fish it. I fished it for a half hour just to say I fished it. <laughs> <laughs> Had two nibbles. And then yeah. I'm like, you know what? Let's go to IHOP. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but like, those are the type of spaces, right, where, like, you're going you're gonna to run into a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, whatever, whatever, there's an equivalent of that to probably whatever outdoor activity there is. But generally every what, single one of them every single one of them so what we're what, what we're generally i'm trying to do is yeah i want to try to find that place that's like more difficult to get to that less people go to and you know you can find that solitude while also doing something difficult that's enjoyable so, i think that's like an, an un you, know, you can't i think untie that for me either if it was super easy like i don't think yeah. i would enjoy it as much well tell me 10 days don't but, sound easy no so and I you think, did this this mm-hmm. bruiser 10 day up north yeah, it, well, 
we did it at uh, at Isle Royale National Park. That's if, up north. If, that's up north. Yep. Yeah. And you know, it, versus so where I grew up on the East Coast. We well, did, let's let's talk about yeah, Isle Royale. Yeah, we'll Royale. talk about that. But okay. To to put it in perspective, though, a place like that, it's very difficult to get to. Okay. So it's national park. It is the least visited national park. And I've heard the most revisited. I don't know if that's true, but so the least few visited people go there, but everyone goes back type deal. Kind of, yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, and I think because it's so difficult, where you have to book a ferry far in advance, or you have to book a seaplane, or you have to figure out how you're going to get over there, and then you have to build your whole itinerary, and then you need to have confidence in yourself that you can hike wherever you're going to hike to get back to where the ferry is. Yeah, <laughs> on time, right? on time, yeah. and everything. Um, and I think generally, though, it's it's more the difficulty in the planning to even get there. Okay. You know, and a, a place like that is kind of the perfect example where it's difficult to get to. So the people that want to be there are people that really want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Which and, is cool. Yeah. And for yeah. me, it's, 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 pro- and I, I'm bringing this trip up in particular because I think it's probably the best experiences I've ever had in the, in the backcountry type of trip because even the people you did run into, you kind of had that feeling that they put in the same effort that yeah. you put in. You know, they you were feel like you could relate with those. Yeah, people you know, they it. weren't like in like a million dollar motorhome, and then they just got out and like walked up to the trail and took sure. the picture. Kind of like yeah. what we're talking about, right? Like yep. anybody who's there had to put in all that effort to figure out how to get there. In, in fishing, a lot of people call them real guys. <laughs> those are the real guys. Yeah, that's yeah. a great. That yeah. is a great saying, and it is yeah. the equivalent. Of, I'm sure there's some hiking saying that I'm not you know cool enough to know but (laughs) but uh yeah so for a trip like that and that's definitely the the most intense one i've done as far as the length of time with no resupply so that's really so a lot of times how do you plan for that well a lot of times you'll do a trip like i can barely feed myself for a day out there you know (laughs) i gotta like catch or kill something to you have a lot of times where on trips like that where you will have the ability like a bigger through hike where you'll have the ability to have a drop location where you can ship stuff Mm -hmm. usually it's like someone's like store that's off the trail and they offer to let people ship shit there Mm -hmm. for a fee you know they give you charge five a couple dollars five bucks whatever to you know and, and that makes it easy so then you're only going like three or four days but for us a trip like that really the way we kind of set it up it had to be that distance between taking the ferry there we hiked we took the ferry to one end of the island hiked all the way across the island and took the ferry back from the other side so we kind of did the through island how big is the island uh i don't know i don't know i mean long uh, damn ways yeah long damn ways you know it took that took 10 fairly long hiking days so it's long enough you gotta take 10 days to walk around yeah probably something like that yeah yeah, probably something like that. I mean, it's big. They have a, they have a big moose population, a big wolf population. Um, you know, it's, it's big. We didn't, but we heard a lot of them. Yeah, saw a lot of moose, a fair amount of moose there. Um, but with a trip like that, I think it all comes in in the prep and in the planning in that stage, and particularly around the food. Sure, sure. Because <laughs> every inch counts when mm-hmm. you got one pack. I mean, it's... yeah, you got one pack. I mean, I'm not like a super like ultralight nerd that like I'm you sure know has all like the yeah, which is awesome, right? Like, and I would love to attain that, but a lot of that gear is just super expensive. You know, like isn't like, it amazing? Like the difference so between a sleeping bag that weighs seven ounces exactly, and five yeah, no, ounces you know. is like five hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like once you get to that that edge of like you know the newest material that they've came up with yeah. and all that stuff. So, you know, that would be nice. 
but I'm still on like the old school, like, you know, 40, 50 pound pack for a trip like that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe some people are, are doing the 20 pound, 30 pound, like, <laughs> well, if you think you know? about percentages of body weight, you're working your ass off. Yeah. Like, I how, should definitely how, not be carrying a pack that big, <laughs> like a buck 20. I yeah. should not be, <laughs> yeah. I should not be carrying a pack that big, but you got it right. So if you're going to do mm. a lot of those trips like that, well, you don't have like, to, it's just going to cost you five grand to drop her down. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. that's it. Right. Yeah. To lose. But I don't know, man, like I think about like friends like in the military and stuff like that or friends that like, you know, do like CrossFit and rucking and stuff. And like, like only in the hiking world do they say like, oh, your pack should be 20% of your body weight, no more than blah, 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 blah. And every other world where people carry stuff. It's like you, quit you, being you, you man up and yeah. you carry what you got to carry. <laughs> like, so I never paid attention to any of that stuff. It's just like you got your stuff and you got to deal with it. Right. Um, but no, but, but, but on the food thing. So hold on. I'm going to tell you my yeah. drop-off story that you reminded me of when you were talking about <laughs> it. So I've never hiked for 10 days, but I stayed on a deserted island for seven twice. <laughs> and we had our food. We caught our food. Um, so we had food we brought. We had food we caught and ate. And then there was like this point in time in the middle of one of those trips where we were like, pizza sounds real good. <laughs> so one dude, and this was before like smartphones and shit. Like I had a razor that I left in the car, you know, like <laughs> I had no phone when we were out there. didn't give a shit about anything. And one dude had a solar charger cutting edge for the time and, and the phone and called a friend or a family member. I don't remember which, but they had a boat. And they went and picked us up pizzas and eat, got us each a case of beer and <laughs> dropped it off halfway through the trip. And it was like the most glorious yeah. thing. You saw the boat coming in the background and we're all just like hooting and hollering. And it, it could have been the end of a freaking Disney movie for all I <laughs> So we got hot pizza and cold beer three or four days in on a deserted island in, in Florida. Where it's like 95 out. We ran out of ice two days ago. It was like the most (laughs) wonderful thing on the planet. And these are the type of stories that I feel like when I was planning that canoe trip, people were telling me like, oh, like we, we freeze a couple steaks and bring them for the first night, you know, or or whatever. Like, oh, we'll buy a pizza and like carry that for the first couple days. Like, no, I never had that type of experience before. (laughs) You're missing out. (laughs) I know I'm missing out. (laughs) It's quite wonderful. Uh, Oh, man. That but, day three, just imagine day three oh, and then a hot pizza on day three. That sounds amazing. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, but, so you did the backpacking, yeah. you did the canoeing in Voyager National Park. Yeah, you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, that not was, the Boundary Waters. Talk about no, that. no, not the Boundary. So that was yeah, this was a new experience for me. So I've I like I, where I grew up again. I never really had like the lake culture that Iowa has, the canoeing culture, we, the kayaking we have, culture. We have canoeing and lake culture. I feel like that. Up and like coming. I know, I know all these yeah. people that are like, oh, I own a house on this lake, or my family who has a house on this lake, yeah. or you know that type it's of thing. Because we have no water, so it's a big well, that's, deal. Exactly. No, that's <laughs> what I mean. It's a big. Right? It feels like a big deal for everybody. Like, oh, we vacation on this lake, yeah. or maybe I'm wrong. No, but yeah. it's yeah. You're pretty but you know, and maybe on. for me it was like maybe we the people would go to the ocean, right? But you know, same thing. They'd go well, to, go to the right, Cape. Just to clarify for anyone listening, you you grew up out east. I did. Yeah, I'm from Massachusetts. Yeah. So, so anyway, I've lived some other places too, but right now I'm in Iowa. But anyways, um, yeah, it was it was a it was a very interesting experience going from doing these backpacking trips to now I get to have a car. <laughs> basically right (laughs) like a canoe like i'm looking up like oh i'm worried like what's the weight limit of a canoe it's like 1100 pounds (laughs) 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 or something like that right Mm. um 
And so I, yeah, I, I guess a lot of them 16 footers yeah. it probably would be at least. Yeah, a thousand. yeah it is. It is. Yeah. It's like a thousand yeah. pounds. Yeah. Um, so talking to friends that had done those type of trips. Yeah. They all had all sorts of, so I bet, I guess canoe people have like food barrels. So they bring this giant like barrel that you wear as a backpack. What? Yeah. So it's like this giant blue, like think of like the, um, you know, like a feed barrel, you know, like a blue, like the blue and white, like plastic, like feed barrel, like a, 50 gallon kind of but like drum, a plastic drum yeah. maybe like a 40 gallon drum maybe I've literally a never, smaller. i've seen a lot of canoes i've never seen this yeah so yeah no there was a ton of people more. with this so it's like uh i don't know it looks like an old school barrel but out of plastic okay and, and they put their corn in there and they and put they all their food <laughs> and all their stuff yeah so like whatever food whatever stuff they want to bring just and, imagine your hogs eating out of a feeder right now <laughs> <laughs> maybe it kind of looks like that i think yeah. it does but it's like a yeah kind of picture a plastic 50 gallon drum with okay. backpack like straps well, would, would and a waist strap an advantage of this over just a cooler it floats so do coolers i don't know maybe mm-hmm. but that's what i seen everybody using was these <laughs> like we, we need some canoe experts i don't i'm just asking you. i don't know of any <laughs> Me well, i don't know any i but, kayak a lot but i don't know everything yeah so they so but i think get yourself a barrel it's i'm telling you it's it a barrel fit in a <laughs> it won't fit but it will in a canoe you've got every inch accounted for already i do like i was thinking about that well last week talking about that mm-hmm. planning i got my food slap i'm mixing food and bait which wow. is pretty standard for me yes. really yeah. food beer bait same cooler cooking container and then i have a dry bag with all my camping stuff in the front and then i have a little pack with fishing stuff that sits right behind the seat three fishing rods go well your video equipment takes up a lot yeah i was just gonna ask that it does i mean compared to someone who doesn't take it i mean that's that's precious kayak space see that that cardboard box I was I was talking Behind. about your white bag that your white dry bag that you used to take uh, where we're at right now that cardboard box right behind Jeremy that black yeah. box under it that is smaller than I'm trying to think yeah it's like a revolver case yeah like you'd put a twenty two revolver case or something in. yeah that's all my camera gear really oh, okay because you used to take that white. Tote. I used to do a lot of things. I used to shit my pants when I was two years old, and I don't. Or last, that or last week, you know. <laughs> yeah. Either one. We all been there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Right, guys. Some more recently <laughs> than others. So you were the one who was cramping up earlier. Oh my god, I've never cramped like that. It was horrible. Me and Ryan were sitting at the table, just shooting the breeze about whatever. Then suddenly Ryan's eyes got the size of saucers. It looked like, like I don't even want to say what it looked like. He popped up out of his seat oh, and just bad. grabs the back of his leg and and from like, from my butt cheek clear down to the bend of my knee, my whole hamstring was in one knot, and then oh. it would let up and then it would hit again like six times in a row. This was like twenty minutes, pretty solid cramp. I've never had that ever. As I sit here and drink a beer. <laughs> hydration's key yeah that's the key we gave him some gatorade he's fine (laughs) anyway back to voyager national park yeah yeah no so that um so you have the boundary waters in minnesota which is like an awesome i think it's state-owned area okay that um 
and again, as far as I know, it, it's only canoes and kayaks. So definitely no motorized. And I don't even think you could have motorized canoes. Like, I don't think you can have like a little electric trolling electric motor or anything motor. or yeah. anything like that. Um, and it's a really, really organized network of campsites and portages and little lakes. Okay. Like hundreds of sites and itinerary options. And it's a really, really cool place. And I think, as far as I know, it's known as a very big mecca for people that well, do I've, canoeing. I've heard which, about which leads hunt. to people. So let's avoid that. Yeah, but <laughs> maybe you can plan an itinerary that's remote enough. I don't really know. Yeah. But when we went up to Voyager, and when I looked into that trip, it seemed to be a lot of people there do it more as like a boating trip. Because so you can put boats on it. Yeah, so they do it as like a house boating trip or something like that. But there are a couple kind of canoe-style trips up that way that I think um, – are really cool and really interesting and really remote. Like and we those were there. Are the ones you did. That's we we were there for a week. We saw maybe one other person, but that was kind of it. On the happen. How to much find canoe experience there. did you have prior to that trip? Like almost none. <laughs> like none. Almost none. Like <laughs> we 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 rented a canoe a couple times and took it out to some lakes here just to kind of learn the paddling skills and you know how not that's to my kind screw of trip. it up. Yeah. Like you ever it's done like, that? And then this is my hidden Just talent. like I'm sending I, it. I, I got you know, this. Um, uh, you know, but it, it, again, we talked about it, like the joy of the planning, like, all right, I get to learn a new skill. I get yeah. to learn how to paddle. I get to learn the technique. I get to practice it. I get to learn how to pack and set the weight and balance it. I get to learn how to make my gear work in a setting where I need it to potentially fall in the water. Cause I didn't buy anything special. I don't own dry bags. I don't own any of that stuff. You don't own a dry bag. No, just backpacking gear. And that's uh, not, you're going to take a dry bag. <laughs> <laughs> Been trying I, I to get this son it. of a bitch away forever. I will take it. I could have <laughs> used it. So it was more just like, all right, well, what, you know, if I ever had to kind of just like, you know, wanted to do a canoe trip like this again, what do I have to do? And that was the fun of it. You know, it was like, all right, how am I going to make my gear work? How, you know, throw a backpack in the canoe. How am I going to portage? That sucks. Yes. You're telling me. I am blown away by people. That's that, why people don't kayak the places I kayak. <laughs> exactly. It's because of the portage. It sucks. And your portage is over downed trees or log or That's beaver dams. That's what this dams was. Or, so yeah. it was portage like over log, under over log. Over beaver dam. Yep. We had beaver dam too yep. in there, which like, you know, your your leg's inevitably going to sink down your knee yeah, at one point. Sounds similar to my yeah. portage. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just, Did and, you have to carry a five-gallon bait bucket? No. No. <laughs> That's the only thing you're missing. Uh, but, and I, I don't know, I think a part of that too was, like, for me, was thinking about how much of our country was explored that way and found that way by people on canoes. Yeah. You know, and... and was and it canoes, though? I think I don't so. Know. The interior, The interior. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The first, I mean, you know, you think of, like, the whole, you know, part of the, the Lewis and Clark and those type of expeditions. Because mm-hmm. the ships I, they came over on are huge. Right. So, I mean, yeah. they had to downsize. and Yeah. Yeah, when they're heading west. And the Voyagers, the name of that is, it, the Voyagers were the fur traders, speaking of what you do, yeah. um, which is a weird tie-in, actually. So, <laughs> so the, 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 the name of the park is off of the people who made their living bringing furs from the U.S. up through Canada to trade with the Indian people there, or vice versa. So Wasn't that like one of the most monetarily... Mm-hmm. One of the biggest payoffs of that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a huge. beaver pelt was was a big deal. possession, but high yeah. risk, high reward, super high deal. risk. It was mm-hmm. all young men. We, nowadays, we'd call them boys. Yeah, that yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that did this work. You know, 
So you would have it, you would be hauling your canoe. Your canoe would be a lot lighter because it'd be made of birch. So it'd be, you know, a handmade, hand-hewn canoe. But how, how light would, let's say you make that a 15-footer, how how light can that be? I think significantly lighter than a modern canoe. Like a, a lighter than an aluminum canoe? Way lighter than, I think, than an oh, aluminum canoe. I don't canoe. know shit about that. Yeah, and that's I need to learn more about it too. But the, And there's like one guy in Canada that still makes traditional birch canoes. Really? And he makes like a couple a year. Um, and it was like, but it was a trade that like tons of people knew. Um, what was how to the specific time of year you would shave the bark off a birch tree. I don't know how heavy they are yet. I don't know how heavy they are yet, but they sure are proud of the price. Yes. Well, I'm sure it's all well, handmade. And it's all handmade, and you have to, it, it is a, a very, very, very seasonal weather based thing where you have to know based on the weather, the way it was this year, this is the time I can peel the bark off the tree and not have it disintegrate or not have it rip apart or have it be flexible enough or it's it's a super deep huh. process the way they used to build canoes that's super interesting and this is that my is. research on one canoe trip so from from a not <laughs> from, from someone that has never i've never built a canoe just to be clear but, <laughs> but well according to the history ca which i'm assuming is california uh, i think it's canada I mean, I'm assuming it's Canada. <laughs> uh, traditional bark canoe was life, or yeah, bark yep. bark birch canoe was lightweight and a 4.2 meter canoe weighing some 22.7 kilograms could easily be carried over many portages. Yeah, that's really light. Translation. Translation. <laughs> yeah, that's a 12 foot canoe weighing yeah. 45 pounds, 48 pounds. Yeah. So the aluminum canoe definitely weighs. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit more than quite a yeah. bit more than that. So w- what they would do is that so they would have a super light canoe, but they'd have a hundred pounds of furs. So when we're again we're talking about people saying, "Oh, your backpack's supposed to be twenty percent of your body weight." Oh, be be careful! Don't carry a lot. Oh no, um, you know these guys would every day, cramped. day in, day out. <laughs> all, yeah, don't get cramped all day. You know, have to traverse these vast wildernesses between roughly northern Minnesota and up into Canada. Um, and that's how they made their living. You know, it's crazy. And for me, you know, it was also like, okay, you know, not that I did anything near even close to that hard, but we talked about experiences, right? So it's, it's just a new experience. And, you know, thinking about what those people went through and how a lot of America was explored, you know. So I thought that was really cool. Well, yeah. and it gives you a, a point of reference, mm-hmm. so you can half-ass relate to those. Yeah, uh, those exactly. <laughs> yeah. Half-ass relate is the perfect. That's exactly what I was yeah. trying to say. Yep. You know? Ryan, you ever do any long trips other than the trips we do? Not usually. Because I'm I trying to think of what the time. What's the I longest mean, trip we ever did? We ever do a three? Usually day? our march, our march trips. No, oh, but you I'm, mean like on a kayak or just on the water? You know, like we've done a lot of two-day one-nights. Yeah. And mm-hmm. have we ever done three Well, Texoma was last year. We were on that island for it was three, three nights. Three days, two nights. Yeah. 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 Okay. Then we went to Missouri, got spoiled down there. We didn't have to do any camping down there. Missouri. When we went spoon billing. Oh, that was just one night, though. Yeah. But I'm talking about like roughing it camping in the wilderness have you ever done one more than three day two nighter no it's usually weekend trips yeah like even when i don't go with you i'll, I'll go out for two nights and 
then head home Sunday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. But that's th- the stuff that keeps you going. Well, you know? yeah. that's awesome. I'm trying to you think yeah, too. That's, like that's uh, that's how I center. That's how I get exactly. back to me. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm just trying to think. Other than the deserted island trips, I've done two of those. One was six days, five nights. One was seven days, six six nights. Other than that, I don't think I've done anything more than three day, two nights. Yeah, but your three day, two nights are mobile. Where your deserted island, you're in one spot for that time. Well, when we were on Texo, I'm trying to think if I've ever done three days, two nights mobile. Well, on some of your long river runs, haven't you? I mean, at least maybe, two nights. Maybe, but I'm trying to remember. Probably, there's probably been yeah. a, a time frame in there. But a lot of the way we handle those big trips. Um, and I think also we're talking about, too, how the gear can be incrementally more expensive, and you don't need it, but it's nice. You want to know the deal breaker for me? You know? I, I want to do a... I want to float the whole Mississippi. That would be awesome. Right. Yeah. The deal breaker for me is the fact that I want to fish while I float, and to fish while I float, I need bait. Bait um, takes mm-hmm. up a shit ton of room. Yeah. So does beer, but I could leave the beer at home, but I'm not going to I'm not it. going then. <laughs> you weren't invited. Yeah, we we all we always make room on backpacking trips for a little nip of this and nip yeah. of that. But and I don't like a liquor. little bit something special. Oh well, then that's the deal breaker. And it, it it's like I don't I don't need to have a dip. You know I don't I don't need to get a little buzz. I just like sipping on beer. You know I just mm-hmm. enjoy beer. You know if beer didn't have any alcohol in it. I wouldn't care. I'd still drink beer. <laughs> you know. Um, so that's yeah. that's my thing with that. And if I'm stuck with liquor, I'll just I just won't drink anything, you know. No, but uh, bait's the big deal breaker, especially catfishing. Bait mm-hmm. takes up a lot of room, and bait only lasts so long. So if you're floating the whole Mississippi, it's going to take forever. And trying to get bait on the Mississippi out of a kayak would be—it's not always easy. No, that would be most of your day, probably. Well, I could snag the old Asian carps, but yeah. and they catch fish, but they're not ideal. But if I ever do it, that's probably the route I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to bring a bunch of big treble hooks and paddle yeah. into some slack water areas and snag some carp, and then be able to have some refresh on ice to keep them fresh. Yeah. You could do it in sections too. Like a lot of people do like the Appalachian Trail in sections and stuff. It's not the same, I don't think at all. I'm but, not gonna do it if I have to do that. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> I wouldn't do it either I, that way. I at feel all. like I've pretty much done that already. Yeah. You know, like I've fished a pretty decent chunk of the Mississippi in sections and the Missouri mm-hmm. in sections and yeah. if I the to me the prestigious mm-hmm. not the prestigious one, the one that would feel like an accomplishment in my mind would be Agreed. just to float it in one mm-hmm. go. Yeah. We, there was actually a dude from our area and I might be totally wrong with this. I'll drop his name just because it's pretty badass. And if somebody wants to correct me, that'll help him correct me. It, dude's name's not Andy. Maybe I think it's Hank, Hank Kohler. And he floated the Mississippi for the third time. Whoa. Yeah. Did he write a book about it? Maybe. I feel like I heard about somebody that did that. Well, he'd be in your area. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I I think, though, that is equivalent to the things that I, in my world, you know, people that hike the Appalachian Trail, the John Muir Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, Mm -hmm. who do some, you know, and then you talk the more extreme end or people that do mountaineering and stuff like that and... 
you know, Mount Rainier and, and Denali and all those things, you know, at, at least in our country. Um, and yeah, it, it's, you'll hear a lot of people that talk about doing them in sections, like I'm sure some people do the Mississippi, but yeah, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't yeah. care to do it if it wasn't. Like, when you get uncomfortable, yeah. you pull out. No, that's when you earn your trip. Yeah, you, you know? know. And I, I don't know, you know, you know, and I think, you know, the the like we're talking about, right? The joy of doing something difficult. Paddling the Mississippi would definitely be difficult. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Right. But it would be so rewarding. Yeah. To do something like that too. I, bet. I think I'd probably start on the Missouri just because there's no lock and dams. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. the The original one. And I actually planned a period of time that evaporated two years ago mm. to float the entire Des Moines River for, through the state of Iowa. So start yeah. start right at the border up mm-hmm. north and then float all the way to, is it Keokuk or Keosauqua? It's Kia something. Uh, <laughs> down in the southeast part of the state and, and just do all that. And then I'd have to portage around three big-ass dams. But bait was what held me back. I'm like, if I'm going to float that far, I want to fish. And if I'm going to fish, I got to have bait. And bait takes up a lot of room, and I got to replenish it a bunch of times. So that was one of the big hiccups. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, life things pop up. So Mm -hmm. instead of trying to move them around it, I just let them be an excuse, and it never happened. You might be on something. Yeah. You can start at the ragbri of the water. (laughs) (laughs) I could. I never thought of it like that. Or how you want to do it, you know, you just – you really will, I think we'll just have to coordinate people to resupply you. And that was an idea. You know, that's what you're going to, yeah, I think that's what you kind of have so to do. I'm so damn considerate, despite what everyone <laughs> says. I don't want to inconvenience uh, anyone. But if you plan it That's a very Iowa plan. thing of you to say. I agree. I agree. It is very <laughs> But if you plan it ahead and you'll be like, okay, in two weeks, I'm coming through. I need two dozen green sunfish. I need two dozen green sunfish exactly. and, and a 12-pack of bush. No, I was going to say case. <laughs> I, need, I need a case. Uh, no, I, I think it would be a super cool trip. And I'm not saying it won't ever happen, but it hasn't no, happened. You know, it's, just setting, it's the same thing for me, right? I mean, those trips that I want to do, you know, it's it's setting aside the time away from life and family and everything like that, you know, and, and sometimes work and sometimes other stuff. Well, but, and now I'm guiding and that would be, oh, I, I would want to mm. do it during peak guiding season. So mm. that would be an issue. And I'm super fortunate that the time frame I'd want to do it is totally booked up with guide trips for this coming year. Yeah. I could say, dang it. Or I could be like, man, I'm glad I have those guide mm-hmm. trips. And, yes. And I err on the side True. of being, man, I'm glad those people exactly. want to go fishing yeah. with me. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is a wonderful time frame for what is known as the last cast. And Jeremy, you don't know the last cast. The last cast is for you <laughs> to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about for however the hell long you want to talk about it because it's you know mm-hmm. like you're fishing last cast yeah. turns yep. into like a dozen last mm-hmm. cast so yeah and it can be whoever wants to go first usually ryan goes first because yeah, he's he the guy on. who interjects because everyone else is thinking and ryan doesn't think he just talks I, yeah that's one of my best talents is just letting it all out there. i would call it a talent <laughs> yeah some no, people it's... might call it a detriment. I think I think that's definitely an asset. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been on. I've missed it. You know, I, I haven't fished with Spencer for quite a while. We went out the other day, and it was nice to get back on the water a little bit. Like Spencer said, you know, most of my, most of my time from the first Saturday of November until I get burned out is spent trapping. But also work's been 
you know, crazy. We've got three new houses going in, in different forms. So it's been a, a hectic life, yeah. but this, this is my just favorite Just to clarify, you're an electrician yes. working on houses. Yeah. For anybody who's like, what does he mean? But, uh, you know, this is my favorite time of year. I, I look forward to the first Saturday in November. That's when trapping starts. You know, that's my Christmas Eve. And then the first Saturday or Sunday of November, that's my Christmas morning. You know, I get to go out and check traps. There's a lot of preparation that goes before season. You know, there's a lot of planning just like anything mm-hmm. else. You know, it just – so it's nice when all that pays off. And like I've, I've said, you know, I've got a lot of landowners and, and farm owners that kind of rely on me to, to keep their fur bears in check and keep the damage to a minimum, so – I, I kind of take it to heart and I enjoy what I do. So with all that behind us, you know, you know, usually me and you take a trip in March, you know, I'm looking forward to that kind of get back. And I've been thinking about that one mm. planning yeah, and the whole planning process. <laughs> I have some ideas I'll fill you in on here okay. in a bit. I thought we already had a destination <clears throat> set. Um, we do. Okay. There, there's, there's a few things that we can discuss. We bounce around. They're all they're all good. It's like, do you want to do this where it's good, or do you want to do this where it's also good? Yeah, it's and you know where I'm at on adventure. You tell me which way, and we're going. Yep. So, but uh, no, it's ice fishing is non relevant in this state. You know, it, it it froze, and I was actually walking on a beaver behind a beaver dam where it's there's no current. I was walking on one three weeks ago. Then it got warm again. And then it's over. Yep. And now it's back. It last couple of days it's uh it's probably an inch and a half on on non current water right now. So And we, then it's we, gonna be fifty five. And then it's gonna days. be fifty five. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how far how far north I'm gonna have to drive to ice fish, but I'll probably just drive that distance south and see if I can't get something big. I endorse <laughs> I endorse that decision. Yes. So no, it's it, I love this time of year, but it's hectic. I get mm-hmm. about four hours of sleep a Oof. night, and after a couple months of that, it kind of hey, takes man. toll. But you gotta want it. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. That's how it is. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And everything I do is hard on my body, so that's where I'm at. I just forehead first and keep on trucking. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing changed. No, no, not at all. <sighs> Jeremy, you got what do you got to weigh in on? Oh man. Um, I think it's interesting for me, you know, to, to always see what you do and what you have going on in the fishing world. Cause it's so removed from what I have a big part of experience in, Sure, you know, and, and, and for me just enjoying spending time in the outdoors, spending time in shooting sports, but never really getting into hunting or fishing or that type of thing. You know, it's, it's been really interesting for me seeing people like you and other people that kind of make that their, their thing. Yeah. Right. And, and. I find increasingly that there, there for some reason is not much cross between the backpacking world, like people that just do it for hiking and people that are backpacking because they're going to hunt an elk. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I don't really know why, you know, like there, there, there are people that make, there are tons of all these backpack manufacturers and, and gear manufacturers that sell at RAI. You know, REI and those type of big stuff, but they don't seem to cross at all with the high end manufacturers that make stuff for hunters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even you, though there's you, a lot of similarities, even though, product. yeah, it's like all kind of the same. And, and, and I don't, I, you know, I don't know where, uh, you know, I, I hope in 
talks like this, we sort of are able to eventually unify those worlds a little bit. And get know, better products for both. And get better stuff for well, both. But also, it's not just that. It's that, you know, people that are on the hiking side that are anti-hunting and anti-fishing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's more what I'm thinking about. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and, and how much I recognize as someone that just really knows hunters and knows fishers but doesn't really do it, you know, would love to explore that and have those new experiences, but never really have, you know, seeing sometimes that animosity <laughs> of like people that just hike and people that just hike in places where they hunt. Well, there's I mean, animosity all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. a bigger thing, yeah. right? Yeah. But there's animosity you know, between fishermen. There's yeah. animosity yeah. between hunters mm-hmm. and backpackers. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pe- you know, I talked about Different people that, yeah. Each. Oh, there we yeah. go. Right. Yeah. It's in every world in music. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so it, it you know it doesn't. I don't think it really matters what you do, but you know I, I yeah I just kind of hope that I see more of people recognizing all of the tools for saving these wild spaces. Yeah, that we enjoy being in. <laughs> yes, right. Whether they whether they involve purely, um, you know, uh, ecological restoration and protection from from hunting spaces, or whether they involve intelligent management. Of wildlife that lives in the area, right? Well, they, they're the, both the preservation of them all is the common yeah. thread between mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. And exactly. now, now the motives differ, mm-hmm. but the end result's the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you the, still got to have those areas that are available. Yeah. Well, people get caught up in the motives. Like, why mm-hmm. do you want there to be lots of wildlife? Because I like to kill it and eat it. And then there's <laughs> these people who like who yeah. like there to be wildlife because they like to look at it and they yeah. think it's beautiful. Or I want nature to be in and 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 explore without there being a hunting season every once in a while. Type of thing. Yeah, there's you, people you know? who feel that way. And there was that awkward pause there for a moment because I was like, oh, there are people. Yeah, there are people that feel that way. (laughs) None of them are listening now. Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing, right? So it's like, how do we... yeah, I generally I, like, I generally find though that that I feel like there's a level of empathy that needs to be applied yeah, across the board from exactly. both sides. Exactly. Yeah. Because uh, what you just said was what I was thinking is like, okay, the people that probably listen to your show, they get it already. Yeah. Right? So yeah. how do we talk to the people who aren't plugged in already to this space? You know, and I don't know, but you know, I've been I, thinking about it. Me personally, <laughs> I feel like there's the, the end goal's the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The it's reason that. the reasons differ, but the end goal is the same. Mm-hmm. And to to focus on the end goal, I don't know if that's the answer, but I feel like there's a little bit of value there. I'd have to think about it a little bit yeah. more to mm-hmm. to determine what the best process is. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's value to that. Yeah, and the, and the actual fact that even though it would mutually benefit you and I, if I don't agree with your opinion, some people are going to go against what would benefit mm-hmm. them just to disagree with you. Just to say, suck yeah. it, Ryan. Yeah. Just yeah. say, Bauer, yeah. you suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, I think it's a positive thing. Yeah. We can make yes. it a positive thing, right? Yes. You know, to have those conversations and, you know, understand that protection of clean water should be something that everybody cares about. Yeah. Or whatever, you know. So yeah. At least be a thought in yeah. your mind before you do something yeah clean water open spaces mm-hmm. places where you can walk through and explore mm-hmm. yeah all yeah that. yeah less less shopping malls less strip malls and more yeah you know uh, th- th- that's a big thing for me too right when i come back from a trip like that 
right, where you're 10 days, you're in the woods. The first time you get in a car and you have to drive through, like, you know, past a, 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 a town of chain fast food stores, just like, oh, or this there's is... there's a stoplight. Or whatever. It's <laughs> like, oh, this is, like, kind of disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You know, it, it, I think you get a much a bigger appreciation for how weird that is. Yeah. And you can go back and forth on a lot of things. I mm-hmm. mean, like the stuff you took with you on that camp camping, hiking trip, you know, it's gotta be made, be made somewhere. It has yeah. to be made somewhere. Yeah. Of course. But and, that could be a totally different podcast. Yes. And yeah. the benefits of all this that we have are, are amazing. Right. But yeah. you know, it's just that kind of that feeling of like, Oh, okay. Th- this is, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we could call this, this is my last cast. We call mm-hmm. this the adventure podcast, if yeah. anything. Like, there's hunting podcasts, there's fishing podcasts. This one has definitely been an adventure podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and when you break everything down that I do, like, I love fishing. I love the act of fishing. I love the planning that goes into fishing. I love everything that goes with it. I love hunting, you know. Um, but I really love adventure, <laughs> you know, like. Mm-hmm exploring of new waters walking a new C- crp field to mm-hmm. see what if there, how many pheasants are in it you know yeah. like mm-hmm. all that stuff i find super interesting and adventure is really what drives the majority of things i do adventure is what drives what i'm going to do for the rest of this week yeah. you know absolutely yeah. right with the hope of there's a hundred pounder weight and now. it gets you excited <laughs> you know it, it mean, does if you're in your your old job you know you're you're didn't have the opportunity to take this adventure. And I don't you know? ever take that lightly. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. You know, like I have amazing opportunities and when I don't feel like it, I do it anyway because I know I mm-hmm. get to do stuff that not like, I mean, a lot of other people don't get to do it and I, maybe I should think of it le- like that, but I don't, I think of it as I wouldn't have had this chance. Mm-hmm. So now that I have this chance, I'm gonna freaking do it. Yeah, take advantage. Of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So mm-hmm. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast. There's uh, a lot of things you could do to support it. You could go buy you some badass sunglasses. Get yeah. you some Waterland sunglasses. <laughs> the old promo code RC15 gets you 15% off, and I get a kickback that helps support what I'm doing and helps support the adventure and helps me share it with all of you and talk to all of cool people like Ryan and Jeremy. Well, Jeremy mainly. Yeah. Jeremy mainly. <laughs> or you can get Aww, you some. I think you guys are cool. <laughs> Aw. That's precious heartfelt moment <laughs> right here. Uh, River certified merchandise would be sweet. You can go check that out. Rivercertified.com. Got some straight heat stickers sitting on the desk right in front of me that I'm going to disperse to the uh, participants and you can get your own. You can go to uh, rivercertified.com or whiskerseeker.com and get you them there, as well as a bunch of catfish and tackle. That stuff's there, too. It all helps me. all helps support this podcast and videos and all that stuff. But if you don't do any of that, I don't give a shit. I just appreciate you taking yeah. time to listen to it. It means a lot, for real. Yeah, because we're going to do it anyway, if you listen mm-hmm. or not, because yeah. this is a blast. Yeah, we have too much fun otherwise. So thanks for taking time to listen. Thanks, guys, for being on it and hope you guys catch a giant. Absolutely. Have a good day, guys.
Vote now in Waypoint TV's 2023 Series Showdown. Your favorite hunting and fishing shows are going head-to-head. Visit waypointtv.com to vote and be entered to win a giveaway from Element Outdoors. Cast your votes during each round until the champions are crowned. Get in the game and vote in the Series Showdown. Presented by Expedition Enterprises and Vote Trader. Only at waypointtv.com. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.